Blog Talk Radio. This is the Change Book Radio Show, global insight and inspiration from life and business. We're brought to you by the fastest growing personal development book series in the world titled The Change. And I'm your host and voice, Stacey Carnaluni, transformational leader and coach, international best-selling author, and founder of High Powered Success Academy and StaceyC.com, The Power to Be. Welcome to The Change. Hey, hey, friends. We are back on the air. We missed last uh, week due to technical difficulties, but we are back today, and I am so excited to introduce you to this amazing woman doing incredible work in the world. Her name is Dr. Rhoda Lipscomb. Are you there, Dr. Rhoda? I am. Thank you, Stacy, for having me on. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be such a sweet show. All right. I'm going to brag on you just for a bit, and then we will get right into <laughs> some awesome, juicy content. All right. Dr. Rhoda Lipscomb is an alternative sexuality specialist, certified sex therapist, and clinical sexologist with her PhD in clinical sexology. She's an author, teacher, public speaker, and has been counseling and consulting with individuals and couples in the area of human sexuality for over 25 years. So you guys are in great hands. She has been the guest expert on several podcasts. She teaches in a sex therapy certification program and speaks on areas of alternative sexuality. She is an AASECT certified sex therapist with an ASCH certification in clinical hypnosis. And people in your field are going to know what that means. She specializes in the alternative (laughs) sexuality communities, and her unique approach to therapy is helping people, and this is what I love, to understand, to accept, and to appreciate their sexuality with all its unique flavors. So welcome to the show, Dr. Rhoda. This is so cool. All right. We are going to talk about Yeah, absolutely. So you are in Colorado today. Tell us a little bit about the weather before we dive in. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I'm in the Denver metro area. I, I live in like the most southern suburb of the Denver metro area. Um, last week, I think when we were talking about technology was not in our favor, uh, oh. I think it was snowing that day. And, yeah. and today it's probably 50 degrees and there's virtually no snow left on the ground. And, uh, you know, that's Colorado in the fall. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Beautiful. All right. So your latest publication is titled No More Hiding. And it's so powerful. That is such an incredibly powerful message that the world, I believe, needs to hear. It's both a book and it's your passionate life-giving message. So after 25 years in the field of sexuality, these are the three words that you most want people to hear today. So share with us a little bit about what brought you to this place and to that message. Well, sure, sure. Um, You know, I've spent pretty much my entire career working in areas of uh, medical and and mental health that um, are are very important and and very needed, and I've always been very passionate about them. Um, But they're not always the things that uh, much of our society wants to deal with, wants to talk about. Um, there are things that get kind of pushed into the shadows. And when things get pushed into the shadows, there ends up being a lot of unnecessary shame and embarrassment, um, guilt and fear that come up for people 
um, when they're when they're dealing with things that really we're, we're not talking about anything harmful. We're not talking about people who are doing um, non-consenting uh, type of behaviors or you know anything like that. We're really not mm-hmm. talking about that. Uh, we're talking about just things that most people would not consider typical. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I don't use words like normal and abnormal because I think they're very judgmental. Mm -hmm. Um, And and there's no real good way of defining what normal means. (laughs) So, you know, typical and atypical are more quantifiable. You can say something's typical because more than 50% of people think that way, engage that way, behave that way, um, and less than 50% would be atypical. Uh, But atypical isn't necessarily bad or wrong. It's just different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it. that's how a lot of things like the book came out. Um, the book was, it's really designed for those people who feel uh, misunderstood. Uh, they don't know where to turn. Um, maybe a lot of people in their life would judge them, say they're um, a freak, say they're abnormal, uh, when in reality that's not really what's going on. Awesome. That makes awesome. Sense. Yeah, absolutely. Sexuality is sexuality. I mean, it's so, I like that you say that, you know, there are many different flavors of it. We all have our own journey and to not talk about it isn't really serving anybody um, well, you know, this is an area of our life where there's so much shame that is just very unnecessary. Right. So I love, I love that you're unveiling it. It's awesome and setting people free. Um, you know, I always say that we are what we hide. That's just a very real truth to me. No matter how much we try to mask and and cover up and put out a different image, the stuff that we're secret about, the stuff that we're not sharing, that's really the stuff that we're manifesting or, or, you know, creating a reality from. And so um, it's just important. It's just so important. How about your own journey? Oh, go ahead. Well, you know, I mean, I think my journey has been – you know, part of what comes out, and I, t- I talk about some of my own journey in the book, and I talk about different people who I've worked with, and, and of course, the, the people I work with, I, you know, I mask their identity, I, I change certain facts to make sure that their identity is protected, uh, but I try to keep enough of what happened with them and, and how they process things to get the important points across that I want to teach about and and help people understand um, while at the same time protecting them. So if somebody they knew read the book, they wouldn't go, oh, this is so-and-so. Right. <laughs> uh, but I do talk about my own life. And, and my, my husband and I have been married for 17 years. We've been together 18. And it, you know, we have a wonderful, strong marriage, a great foundation, but we've had our own struggles um, that I talk about in the book and that we've, in order to maintain this wonderful marriage with this person I, that we adore each other and we're very good to each other, um, at the same time, we had to learn to have some sort of unique ways of making our marriage work that most people would look at and be like, wow, that's really strange. Um, and yet it works for us and we're both very happy. Um, and it's, you know, the the last 10, 10 plus years of our marriage has probably been better than the first six plus years. So, you know, eventually it was this point of going, look, it's our marriage. 
it doesn't matter whether it looks like anybody else's as long as we're both happy with it. I love and it. And I try to help people to understand that because really all all relationships are designed, if, if they're functioning well, they're designed for the people who are involved in them. And mm-hmm. none of them really look like what our friends' relationships look like or our parents or our siblings. We, we try and tell ourselves that, you know, they are, and we, particularly on Facebook, one of the things I dislike about Facebook is, you know, people put this lovely image up and, oh, everything's great and wonderful, and that's not the reality behind the scenes. Amen. Amen. It's too yeah. easy. And so then we're, we're not really honest. If we're not honest with the world and we're not honest with ourselves, it's, you know, we're creating this false image that... Um, no one can ever really live up to. Yeah. We don't talk about the pain. We don't talk about the uh, the other stuff. Everyone's supposed to be happy all the time. And, mm-hmm. and that doesn't help you then learn to manage the other emotions that are part of who we are as humans um, and be able to manage them in healthy and productive ways. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I feel like marriage is like an incubator. It's like this this beautiful space that two people get to decide how to, um, you know, manage to, to keep it in a, a safe place where two people can grow and expand and heal and whatever needs to happen, you know, we get to decide how that's going to happen. And I, I love people that fight to find that place of agreement, to find what's going to work for, for us without looking outside. Right. Um, just right. being honest about what we need, you know. I saw um, yeah. a trailer. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for a movie. I was at, um, I went to see A Star is Born last weekend. Oh, loved it. Oh, but I, would, I have so to go see, <laughs> go see it. Beautiful, beautiful love. It was just beautiful. Um, but the t- one trailer that they played um, before the movie was really like it brought tears to my eyes. It's called Boy Erased, I believe. And it was of a young boy coming out of hiding to his parents and um, making a decision to get honest about his sexuality. And I mean, it's chilling the way I think it's it was handled you know it was a trailer so I don't know the whole story I got to see the movie when it comes out but it was heart-wrenching it was just heart-wrenching so I feel like your message and your work is so um of course timely and like you said um before the show that the past 15-20 years things have really really shifted to open up you know um everybody you know to open up our hearts to receive and to accept and understand our differences and celebrate them we're going to go through I agree Okay, let's go through. Go ahead and respond to that. I'm so sorry. I'm terrible. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> I'm I mean, still I agree. learning. I think I think things over the last few years have really improved, um, and and um, the the last couple of years we've seen this spike in suicide rates, um, and I think part of that is that so many people are starting to lose hope in the world and they're starting to see that all the progress we've made is um, that there's so many people who are very vocal now about their, um, their hate and their, how they don't like people who are different. And um, so for particularly the younger people, I think there's a lot of fear um, that at the moment frightens me. Um, 
you know, we had a, I think it was here in Colorado, it was like an eight-year-old boy who came out to his uh, schoolmates. I mean, he would have been in elementary school. And, you know, they, they picked on him and bullied him mercilessly, and he ended up committing suicide. I'm like, oh, that's, uh. that's so sad to think of an eight-year-old being that lost and feeling that uh, little hope in his life that, you know, that he can't see ahead and go, you know, you guys are just, idiots, you don't know what you're talking about, I'm fine. But he couldn't do that, and that's just so incredibly sad. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. horrible at eight years old. I feel like... At eight years you're, old. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's horrific. Um, this book is not just for people struggling with sexual life. This book is for everybody. I feel like it's a message that we all need to hear. I'm going to go over the Go ahead and respond to that. <laughs> I, I mean, I would agree. I, you know, I think I, I wrote it more for kind of the audience of the people who are struggling. But you're right. And there, there are a lot of the things that the book talks about that anyone could benefit from. Um, you know, for, for some people, they might have to kind of look a little broader um, because it is designed for people in those areas, but anyone feeling this need to um, be able to be themselves, even if, even if their self pretty much falls into what we consider typical within our society. Um, Even people who are typical still struggle with really being themselves and being open um, for fear of how other people will see them and judge them. Yeah, no, really, you're right. It is. It could be used by anybody. It really is. That fear of rejection is so mm-hmm. real to everybody, and we don't know it. You know, you just don't realize it's not on a conscious level, but it it resides in everybody. And I, I think that that's the bottom line is that this book could help to deal with a lot of that. Um, the fork in the road. I'm going to kind of share the chapter titles, and then I'll ask you to 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 share a little bit about a few of them, Um, the fork in the road, that's how it starts. And then negative emotions, embarrassment and guilt, ingrained beliefs about sex. Where did you learn that? The war on men's sexuality, permission to explore, exploration, more more exploration, learning the pros and cons, testing the waters. Now what? Acceptance and loving the new you. This is amazing. It's just, I, I just love it. Beautiful, beautiful. So let's start at the beginning with the fork in the road. Is this really all there is, is the question that you pose. So share a little bit about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I mean, I think particularly for those of us who are, uh, you know, a little bit older, we've gotten to midlife um, and we've done the things that people told us we were supposed to do to be successful, to be happy, um, Maybe we uh, married that nice boy or girl who everyone around has said, oh, absolutely, they're great, you should marry them, you'll be happy, you'll have a wonderful life. And you get to a certain point and it's it's not working quite the way it you were promised. And you're going, you're looking around and you're like, wow, this is this is it. I'm I'm 40 years old, I'm 45, and this is all there is? Um, and, and people get to that point, and, and often that's when I tend to see a lot of the people come in to see me. 
um, with these kind of questions and thoughts about uh, is this it? Like, is this all that's going to be? And um, their partners don't want to talk about things. They don't want to. Um, maybe they also had very strict, rigid upbringings that told them, no, this is just the way it is, and you accept it and you move on and you don't think about it. Um, and they're not really willing to negotiate with their partners. You know, they're, they're so trapped in that mindset that this is the way marriage is and you just deal with it. Uh, rather than thinking, oh, I get to negotiate with this person I'm in this relationship with and we get to figure out how it works for us. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it starts. Um, and then I, I really tried to, when I was designing the book, try to help people give them a foundation of just, if you're looking for more, it's it's not like you just want to jump into the deep end of the pool. Like you got to prepare yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's how it goes into some of these other chapters of the, you know, looking at the negative emotions. How do you learn to manage your fear, your shame, your embarrassment, your guilt? Uh, because if you just jump into the pool thinking, oh, I'm going to do these things because I want to... Um, you know, some of the things it talks about are things like BDSM, which stands for Bondage and Discipline, Dominant Submission, Sadomasochism. And, you know, the, the Fifty Shades of Grey books that came out a few years ago got people a lot more aware that these kinds of things exist. But the Fifty Shades of Grey books were horrible, horribly written as far as how do you do this and how do you do this in a healthy, sane manner. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the people I know who who actually practice this as a lifestyle, I mean, just absolutely cringe at these books. Like, oh, my God, this is so, this is so terrible. Um, um, and, you know, and, and even those of us in the psychotherapy world, we're like, oh, wow, no, this is, this is bad. Because you're going to have people trying to emulate this and they don't know what they're doing. Mm. You know, like they, have, they have no foundation, no context for it, um, yeah. which, you know, then people can get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if some of those things from that world, if you're doing that um, and you don't know what you're doing, you can you can really hurt someone badly. And so, so I always cringe at that. It's like, oh, no, it's nothing wrong with doing it, but you got to know what you're doing. You yeah. You learn the foundations. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I can imagine. Yeah. Right. And so you, but you've also got to learn how to deal with your emotions. If you start getting mm-hmm. into these things, that are different and here you have all this shame and guilt and you're embarrassed about it, that's only going to feed upon itself um, and make things even more difficult for people. So it's very important to learn how to manage these emotions, Mm -hmm. um, to kind of look back and see how, how did you learn to believe the things about sex and sexuality that you believe and, and are they still working for you? Yeah. Or did you just take on what your parents and your school teachers and the media and, and everybody told you without ever questioning and going, is that really working for me? Is that really what I want? Um, you know, does a relationship really have to be only two people or can it be three? You know, like for some people, these things are different. Mm-hmm. And so learning to kind of understand where these beliefs came from and and pull them out and question them and, and look at it and go, oh, that's not really working for me and maybe I want to rethink that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and the, the war in men's sexuality, is, and as I talk about at the beginning of the chapter, there's always kind of been a war in women's sexuality. Um, and I think it's, you know, now with the Me Too movement, we're even more aware of the war in women's sexuality. Um, any Any young woman growing up knows the whole conundrum of dealing with being a good girl or a bad girl and and this like belief system that you have to be one or the other and it's not just you you're who you are yeah um so yeah. i mean there's all there's always been this war in women's sexuality and we're kind of used to that um but recently there's really been more of a war in men's sexuality you know there's this whole um and, and I'm not going to go a lot into this, but there, there's this whole, you know, the sex addiction movement, which r- really is a hoax. Um, and anyone who's studied advanced levels of sexuality, like I have, or who's part of ASECT, which is the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists, mm. you know, when you have kind of that level of knowledge about these things, you look at it and go, oh, wait, no, 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 this, that whole movement is just creating more shame and more guilt and more fear and trying to put sexuality into this rigid little box rather than looking at the whole picture of what's actually going on for people. Mm. Um, I like to tell people that, um, you know, sex is like food. Sure, it can get out of control. You have people who are anorexic and bulimic or binge eat. But if someone's having trouble with food, we don't say, okay, we're, we're going to not have you eat for 30 days. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you, you know. That's so good. That's so good. You're right. Yeah. Like, it, like, <laughs> like sex and food are not the same as cocaine or heroin. Right. <laughs> it, right. It's in the same box. Yeah. You can't, because, yeah, you can live your whole life without heroin or cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> but food and sex are a normal part of life. That, right. that you kind of need on a healthy level. And so yeah. it, it's just, it doesn't fit. Yeah. Um, and so. Do you discuss the, the parallels p- between food and sex? Because that alone right there is a huge deal. People with eating disorders tend to have sexuality issues right. as well. Have you ever studied, do you do work around that? Probably. I don't, I don't really work with, um, I don't really work with eating disorders, but I, I am very aware that yes, people yeah. with eating disorders also have because it's about control mm. um, and people want to try to control sexuality and put it in this night little box mm. um, and sexuality you try to you try to control it and it's going to leak out mm. um, it's 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 kind of like the rebellious teenager it's going to look yeah. at you and say yeah, I don't think so. No, I'm going to do what I want. And um, the more you try and control me, the worse it's going to get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bu- buckle good. up, Buttercup, because it's yeah. not going to be fun. <laughs> um, and that's, I think, when things really get out of control, because people are trying to control it so much. Mm-hmm. Again, like food, they're trying to control yeah. it. Um, and so, you know, Chapter 5, The Permission to Explore, really kind of came out of that realization that when people are coming to see me, oftentimes they're looking to me for permission. Ah. They're going, I want to, I want to do this thing. And really, is it okay? Am I a freak? Mm-hmm. And like, what, is it okay if I want to do this thing? And, and we'll talk about it to, you know, cause occasionally something people want to try isn't okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I once had, well, you know, there's a whole thing with like open relationships, and and somebody came in saying he wanted to, he wanted to engage in open relationships, 
and I'm like, well, great. And um, are, are, should we bring your wife in? And like, and he's like, oh no, I don't want her to know about it. I'm like, no, no, oh. no, no. no. <laughs> no that that's not an open. open re- <laughs> yeah, that's not an open relationship. You know, that's called cheating. Yeah. <laughs> and and I don't tell people learn how to do that. You know, that's, that's not what I do. You know? um, I love it. You know, and so sometimes. Yeah, like, oh, really? <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I'm glad you were there, you know? I'm glad he came to you. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, I don't know what he did after that. But, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not I can't attached help to the outcome. Yeah. That's no, awesome. I'm not attached to the outcome. Um, <laughs> you know, and so then the other chapters of the exploration were, you know, looking at the various things like the BDSM, the various kinks fetishes, open relationship styles, um, and, and giving people a lot of information, um, a lot of resources, uh, books and websites and uh, blog posts and, and all of these things that are, you know, there's just so much information on the Internet. You, you don't know where to start, and you don't know what's really quality information. So I wanted mm-hmm. to give people some information that I felt, okay, this is good information. Pick what works for you. Do some exploring um, and figure out if this, this thing is really something you want to explore. Yeah. Um, and helping them understand all the pros and the cons to the various things. Um, because if you, if you want to do polyamory where you have more than one committed relationship, um, how is that going to work at Thanksgiving if you have a very conservative family and now you want to bring your spouse and your your girlfriend to Thanksgiving dinner and expect your conservative family to just be on board <laughs> with this and accept it and be like, oh, that's great. There, you know, there's going to be some yeah. adjustments and you've got to think about these things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and not to say that people shouldn't do it, but they need to kind of own that they don't have control of how their family reacts. Right, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like some of these things are private and, and maybe you're never going to tell your family about them because they're private things that people do within their sex life. And other things like polyamory, well, it's kind of open. And yeah. for it to really work well, you've got to be able to say, this is my one partner and this is my other partner and I love them both. And yeah. Yeah. How do, awesome. how do you mesh that with the rest of your life? So, yeah. Right. I remember when um, I was, you know, entering into a lot of change in my life when I was 30 years old, I kind of like started seeing a therapist and asking all of these questions. And then after I started to change, then my, you know, the people in my life, you know, started having difficulties. And I remember coming to that realization <laughs> that I'm the one that's changing, not them, you know? So of course, like you change the dynamic of a relationship and it affects the people that are in your life. And so you got to own all of that. Right. I love that you walk. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Because relationships are a dance. And if yeah. you're if you guys are used to doing your dance in a certain way and then you change your dance steps, it affects them and they have to react differently. Yeah. And they don't yeah. always like it. No. Yeah. No, a lot of times I always tell people like they may not like the fact that now you're changing your dance steps and that forces yeah. them to change. Totally. Um, They're like, I didn't sign up for so, this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Testing the I water. Do you dip in? Do you dip 
in your toes or dive into the deep end. Oh, you mentioned that earlier. Like this is progression, right? Little by little. This is little by little. Um, and, you know, some people, they'll, they'll do a lot of research first and then they decide to dive into the deep end. But at least they know what they're expecting. Okay. Um, and some people are more like, no, I just need to kind of gradually work into this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's about comfort level and what people are, are really comfortable with and what they can mm-hmm. How much newness and change can they handle? Mm-hmm. Um, How much of it has you know, to do with just taking off the power, like disempowering because of all the judgment, because of all the, the uh, what do you call it, judgment, I guess. You know, we put all these things in a box. Just taking off all of that and, and disempowering it all and just saying it's, it's just another thing, just like everything in life. It, for us to judge right. it as right or wrong, as sin or not sin, you know, getting rid of all of that and then letting people decide from a very clear place of is this for me or not, um, is, that's kind of the work that you're talking about. Yeah? Right. Yeah. And it is helping them figure out is this really for them when they're when they're looking at all the things that ask you know for some people you know they start realizing that some of these things are are are, they've been trying to hold the lid on it for so long and then once they let the lid off this they realize it's not a it's not as much of a choice for them because it's so much a part of their personality and who they are as a person Mm, that that they open it up and they're like, oh, this is just who I am, and mm-hmm. now I'm free to be myself, and wow, that feels just so much better than all these years of trying to tamp things down and control them and keep it in the box to make all the people around me happy. Right. That's so important. Yeah. yeah. So Which kind of then led into the next chapter of the now what, the tough choices. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is this Sometimes people find themselves, particularly those people who are, who realize that, oh, this is just who I am. I can't go back now. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean some of the people in their lives are going to want to continue on this journey with them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people have to make very tough choices. Yeah. About, do you, do, do you prefer to be true to yourself? and maybe need to find new people in your life um, or do you attempt to keep the people who've been in your life, but how are you going to make that work? Are you going to go back to hiding? Um, is, and, and after you've already gone this far, is that really going to work? Yeah. 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 Is that even like, an option? You know, how, how like, <laughs> is that even really an option? Um, so I kind of help work people through that sort of mental process of looking at certain people in their lives and going, yeah, no, um, particularly like when people are married or in, in serious committed relationships and just because they've made this change doesn't mean that their partner necessarily wants to go on this journey with them and they, and their partner has just as much right to say, no, that's not what I signed up for. Um, And and it is amazing, and I have seen people that you would never think would agree to kind of go on these new, unique journeys, and yet they do. Like the, mm. the, the relationship is important enough to them that even though that kind of shift is not 
not what they wanted, um, not where they would have ever gone. Um, things are important enough that they they make that change and they figure out how to wrap their heads around it. Um, well, and other people just can't, and that's yeah. okay too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is amazing sometimes what how important these relationships can be to people and what they're willing to renegotiate, um, even after like twenty twenty five years of marriage. That's beautiful. Uh, I it, love it, it. It sometimes can be very beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 The, um, and so, so the last two chapters kind of the initially I really thought chapter eleven was going to be the last chapter that okay you get to accept yourself and you have this new kind of new you and this new way of living your life and once you accept yourself that's kind of the ultimate and. As I was thinking more about it, um, you know, and I'm looking around at, at people I know in my life, whether they're people I've worked with or, or friends of mine who also have kind of various lifestyles, I'm going, you know, acceptance really isn't the last stage. Mm. Um, you need to get to the stage where you accept yourself. But eventually you've got to get to where you love yourself. You just love yourself as you are. You're it's 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 a step beyond acceptance. Yeah. Because you can accept things but not truly love yourself. Mm-hmm. So loving yourself is that sort of next step where you, where you completely incorporate things. This is just you. It's okay. Um you know, maybe all your neighbors don't necessarily know the details. Same time, new friends you meet in your life, you you might choose to tell them uh, yeah. these various things because now it's just it's you and you 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 take me as I am or you go away and yeah, it's if you choose not to be with me, then that's your loss. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love that place of celebrating, you know, like you're really truly okay. Yeah. You're truly okay. Exactly. You can celebrate the person that you have stepped into. This person was there all along, but you're just kind of committing to being her or him and um, and exactly. delivering that to the world. Like, you know, does the world deserve anything less? I, I love that, you know, to understand that we are here as such a gift. And until we really unwrap ourselves, we don't have ourselves to give, you know, we're giving just a portion, a, a little bit, but um, there's so much more beautiful, beautiful. Absolutely. There just is so much more. Yeah. The and, destructive um, forces. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. no, go ahead. The forces, you talked about the forces. They're trying to control us or they're destroying, you know, judgment and shame are destructive forces. But the forces trying to control um, the, uh, you know, the war on men's sexuality. What what are those forces that you're talking about? Is that the judgment and shame or was there something else? That they're um, you know, I, you know, there was the whole sort of war on men's sexuality that has gotten to be to where, um if something's now different, it it it, it gets called addiction. Oh um, yes, yeah. Like it's okay. it's it's kind of the new buzzword, um, and and not that we haven't seen these things historically at, at other points in time. Um, yeah. You know, for anyone who's kind of studied any of the uh, sexuality history, you know, at the beginning of the 20th century, um, Kellogg's cornflakes were actually designed as this bland breakfast food to 
curb masturbation because masturbation was considered this terrible evil that people were uh, <laughs> engaging in. It was ha- having all these horrible effects, allegedly, with no, of course with no scientific proof. Right. <laughs> but you know, people just kind of made up stuff. And wow. so Kellogg's cornflakes were actually created as a way of sort of um, tamping down and curbing the ac- the appetites. Um, and, Where and, did you find you know, often that? That's wild. That is wild information. I, saw, I know it's it's wild <laughs> information that like none of us, most of us, never even knew. And no. you know that if if it did if it didn't work to if eating it didn't work, you know it would get used as um, it'd be given an enema form. And I'm thinking, oh, like wow, cornflakes given as an enema, like this just sounds horrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That um, is funny. Right. But, I mean, it's it's kind of terrible things that is uh, throughout humanity that people have done to say, oh, we have to control this and keep it in a box and we're going to find some way or another. I mean, yeah. yeah. I feel like addiction. You know, I went to sex addiction meetings when I was, you know, in my 30s. I was dealing with all kinds of addiction in my life. And so I was going to a different 12-step meeting like every night. And one night it was on food. One night it was relationship. One night it was sex. I went to the sex addiction meetings. And all of addiction, like after all of those years um, in kind of, it was like quest, you know, for truth is really what I was seeking. But um, mm-hmm. all of addiction was nothing more than using some kind of substance or some kind of behavior to um, avoid the, the act of feeling. <laughs> I mean, I think that ultimately we were all very right. afraid of our feelings. We didn't know how to manage our emotions. We didn't know how to identify what we were feeling or communicate it. And so, therefore, whatever addiction was your vice for the moment, it would often change. You know, you, maybe this year it was one sure. kind of vice. And, and so you see people, um, you know, addicts in general were just people who were really in need of love and connection and didn't know how to communicate in order to find that kind of intimacy that they were desiring. And so I saw it as nothing more than that. Do you find the same to be true? Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, even, I mean, I think, you know, whether you're using various substances and, and things like that, that's kind of the extreme um, end of trying to numb ourselves. But there, there's other things we use that are, you know, less, considered less harmful in society. You know, the person mm-hmm. who binge watches Netflix every weekend or spends all week, weekend watching football games, um, the person who spends all their time on Facebook um, rather than actually engaging with the, the, the real blood and flesh people in their lives. Yeah, um, so good. Yeah, um, and, and those we don't, you know, we won't consider addictions. There's, well, I mean, I think now some of them probably have 12-step programs for them. There's probably <laughs> a Facebook 12-step program somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there probably is. Um, you totally. know, but I always think it's interesting that, you know, somebody watches, you know, 45 minutes of porn and they're an addict, but, you know, somebody else watches... Right. Uh, 12 hours of football over the weekend and that's perfectly normal Um, (laughs) so good that's right yeah Yeah. that's good Um, so what do you want to be what do you really want people to know about you and your work um 
you know, my work is really about helping people to um, understand some of these unique areas. And, um, I mean, they're they're really my focus just because there's not a lot of people who work with that. Like, it's, it's not that I don't want to help the people who maybe don't fit into the areas of wanting open relationships or BDSM or, you know, any of those kinds of things. Because mm-hmm. um, I certainly have met plenty of general people who need help accepting their sexuality just as it is. Um, but I think there's also enough other people out there who do that, that it's, it's kind of like that's not really my mission because there is enough people to help them. Mm-hmm. And there's not that many people to help the other people that I want to help. And so um, I, I've always throughout my career tended to work with the, the kind of the smaller group of people who don't have a voice, who um, don't know how to speak up and are suffering and hurting. Um, and I've always been drawn to that. And so that's why I tend to focus the majority of my energy on that. I mean, I, I certainly do see some people in my private practice who would be more in the the general population, that's fine. You know, I love them and they're great, but that's not really the people I'm seeking out. Um, you know, I wrote the, I wrote the book and, you know, it started with the, the chapter I wrote for the change book in number 13, that was, you know, kind of talking about this change towards more positive sexuality and this whole movement that's been happening the last 20 years. Um, and so writing that chapter and having it published and really led to my writing my own full book. And then the book kind of led to, um, I created this program in the last year for, because there's a, thousands of couples every year who decide to do some sort of open relationship. They decide, you know, we need something different after all these years. Um, or even some people, some of the millennials are starting from the beginning to think about, designing their relationships differently than maybe what they saw their parents and grandparents do. But there's no real educational program to help people understand the steps you take, how to avoid the mistakes that people people had made before, um, you know, help educate them about all the various ways you can form a relationship that may be different, um, but not necessarily one way or the other and helping them to improve the communication that you've got to have. I mean, mm-hmm. I think all relationships would be better off if they had this level of communication. Oh, but yeah. One of the things I admire about people who do alternative sexuality is you have to have more commun- communication. Yeah. Um, you can't go with the basic assumptions that you were taught that that will work with monogamy. I mean, it may not work as well, but it'll work. Um, but if you don't have these great levels of communication about all this, all the various things that people think about and, and then get worked up about, you really hit some major stumbling blocks. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I have a huge aspect about how do you improve communication and work different and think differently and wrap your heads around these things differently um, and learn how to negotiate what are the expectations and how to avoid the power plays and, you know, really understand the risks that could happen. And so that you're 
launching in a way that is can help people be much more successful. Um, yeah. Which is why I, I named it Transition Successfully um, from Monogamy to Open because people don't know how to make that transition and do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of people who've done this well and, and, and have various ways of doing it. And I just thought, wow, they had to kind of learn the hard way. They had to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And at a very young age, I, I realized that it's, it's much easier in life if you learn from other people's mistakes instead of having <laughs> to make them all yourself. <laughs> the wise, yes, that's good. Yes. Like at a, a very early age, I, I kind of looked at many of my friends who are a little bit older than me and went, you know, if I learn from their mistakes, I don't have to step on the same line landmines. I'll still make yeah. them on my own. But why, you know, why reinvent the wheel every time? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's, that's kind right. of where some of that comes from. So, yeah, I'm working very hard to have that launched by the beginning of next year and um, available for people to to purchase. So if they, it'll be on my website. I'm fingers crossed. I'm hoping January. Awesome. Awesome. The website is going to be posted um, on the show on blog talk, but it's drrhoda.com. That's easy to remember. So, um, and you can book with her at Rhoda at, or email her at Rhoda at drrhoda.com. So we are going to be looking out yeah. for that. It's beautiful. Transitioning from monogamy to open. Yes. In yes. the, in the win- uh, January. Perfect. In All January. right. Awesome. Any words of wisdom? And the you book want to is available on oh. Amazon. Yes. <laughs> oh, watch. is that open? Yeah. Is it? Has it already yeah, launched? The, the book. The book, yeah. It was launched last year. So it's on oh, Amazon in either okay. paperback or Kindle. Okay. So, yeah. Get the book, people. Get the book. Oh, <laughs> Any last words you want to leave us with of wisdom, of course, so that we don't have to step on any landmines <laughs> unnecessarily. <laughs> unnecessarily, yes. Oh yeah. my. Um, you know, I think people just have to learn to to really be able to love themselves for for who you are, for how you are. Um, and and not allow other people to decide who you get to be. You mm-hmm. you only have your life. You get to live it how you, how it how you feel is best. And as long as you're treating other people well and you're not hurting them, it's all good. Yeah. Amen. Love is not love until you give it away, and we got to unleash it on ourselves first, right? First and foremost. We do. You've got to, yeah, you've got to love yourself first if you expect anyone else to love you. Yeah, amen. Well, I am so excited about the work that you're doing in the world. It's very timely and and just so vital for the growth of all, you know. This is just a very important um, revolution kind of that's happening for everybody to just get honest and come out of those hidden places and let the darkness in our lives become nothing more than unclaimed light, you know, go into the dark places exactly. and, and invite the light to come and absolutely embody all of that um, love that comes along with it. It's, it's so important. So important. Well, absolutely. thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. For thank you, Stacey, for all the great work you're doing and, and getting words out about 
helping people live their lives better. And thank you for all you do. Thank you. Yes. All right, you guys, our amazing audience. I love the people that um, listen to this show. You guys are out there doing great things in the world. And I just want to remind you to um, reach out to us if you have a message to share, if you've got a chapter to write. We've got book 16 that is still waiting to be released. We've got a few more spots in that book. And Les Brown wrote the foreword for that. So he's a... um, Oh, an awesome leader out in the world doing incredible things. So reach out to me. And I've also got the High Powered Success Academy for those of you who are ready to um, step it up and and live a, a bigger, better, higher life. So reach out. And until next Wednesday, only love, joy, and peace. Go ahead and be the change that you're hoping to see in the world. Bye for now.